Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Tonight on Huckabee, the Federalist CEO and co-founder, Sean Davis. Political commentator and show host, Matt Walsh. Super Dad Taylor Kalmas. Christian Pop Rocks, Rebecca St. James. That's Trey Corley in the Music City Connection. And I'm your announcer, Keith Filbury. And now, here's Mike Welcome, everybody. We are so very happy to have you joining us. Hey, big decision from the Supreme Court this week. Yes. They finally overturned Roe v. Wade on a 6-3 vote because they actually read the Constitution. Now, just so we're clear, this doesn't end abortion. It simply returns the decision to the people's elected representatives in the states. And despite the elation among those of us who are pro-life, as well as the despair among the pro-abortionists, the fact is that some states like New York and California, unfortunately, will probably have more abortions, while pro-life states like my state of Arkansas will have no abortions. And I'm proud of that and happy about it. But it is also a reminder that elections really do have consequences. And if you wondered why it mattered that Donald Trump got elected instead of Hillary Clinton in 2016, just remember that if Hillary Clinton had been elected, this decision would probably have been seven to two in favor of abortion right up until the moment of birth. So if you really are pro-life, and even if you didn't like Donald Trump's mean tweets, I hope you realize that Trump's election is why we finally have a responsible Supreme Court. That's why. This past week on Sean Hannity's show on Fox News, I told Sean something that I've observed for a long time in government. There are some people in public office who don't do anything, but they look like they are doing something. And then there are those who are doing some great things, but they don't look like they're doing anything. And then there's Joe Biden, who isn't doing anything, 
And by golly, it looks like he's not doing anything. <laughs> Last week, he was on vacation again in Delaware. And this happened last weekend. He fell off his bicycle. Now, he wasn't injured. And, and I want to be very clear. I'm genuinely grateful for that. I truly am. But that bike wreck seemed to be the perfect metaphor for his entire presidency. <laughs> now, wanting to appear younger than he is, because he's going to be 80 in November, the bike, I mean, it could be a good look for him since he acts every bit of 80 when he's at the podium or when he's shuffling in and out of the room. But if he keeps wrecking his bike or tripping on the steps to Air Force One, he might want to trade in the bike for a walker. Or at least get some training wheels for the bicycle. <laughs> and Joe's messes seem to be rubbing off on others. I mean, if you're planning on flying anywhere this summer, you might want to reconsider it. The airlines are in meltdown. And as someone who is on planes by necessity two to four days a week, it has become a real frustrating mess as many flights get canceled, delayed, or changed at the last minute. And the prices for the privilege of being stuck in an airport and never making it to your destination? About twice what it was a year ago. But if you're thinking about driving, just warn you, you might need to sell a kidney just to fill up your tank. <laughs> and since you only have two kidneys and might need one of them, take somebody with you to sell their kidney <laughs> to get back home. Now, do you remember when we were told that we needed to get rid of Donald Trump and get Biden in the White House because he'd bring the adults back in charge? Yeah, after all, Joe Biden has been in Washington since he was in his 20s. So according to the press and the D.C. swamp rats, Joe Biden was going to bring the country together and heal us. Are we healed? Is the country together? Are our cities safer? No. Are your groceries cheaper? No. How about the gas in your car? No. <laughs> and do you feel that unity that we were promised? Huh? No. Or do you remember when Joe Biden screamed at a citizen at a campaign rally? Watch. Yeah, he's not working for us. Well, he was telling the truth then. He still is now, right? <laughs> or do you remember that time when he called a voter? Well, just watch what he called him. You ever been to a caucus? No, you haven't. You're a lying dog-faced pony soldier. You said you were. But you're, now you got to be honest. I'm going to be honest with you. A lying dog-faced pony soldier. That's a way to win the hearts of a voter. I'm telling you right there. <laughs> So please spare me the nonsense about the adults taking over. Because I can't think of one thing that the so-called adults have made better. Nothing. Nada. So if this is what adults do to us, man, I'm ready for the kids to come back. <laughs> and you know what? If they tweet some stupid stuff, I'll shake my head and frown but I'll fill my tank up with gas that costs half of what it does with these adults in control. Okay. Well, Sean Davis is CEO and co-founder of The Federalist. It's one of the best sites that you're going to find on the Internet, not only for news, but for some smart analysis. He says with this Supreme Court ruling overturning the 1973 Roe v. Wade decision, 
Abortion is now in the ash bin of history where it belongs. Life wins. Please welcome back to the show, Sean Davis. It is great having you back. Uh, kind of a big day in the news today, wasn't it? Huge day. So what does this mean for the pro-life world and for America? It means everything, and praise God that it happened. Yeah. Uh, we have waited for this for nearly 50 years. But I would tell people, it, when we saw the news on Friday, it could be you could be tempted to feel like it was the end. This is really the beginning of the pro-life movement doing its work mm. because the first thing that had to be done was getting rid of that awful decision. And then the next thing we have to do is state by state moving through and making it harder and harder to extinguish unborn lives because somebody thinks they're inconvenient. What worries me is that some big companies have announced today within a couple of hours of the decision that they will pay for employees of their companies to fly to an abortion-friendly state to get an abortion, including Disney. Disney mm -hmm. will pay for their employees. I, what, is, what are these folks thinking? Because I'm pretty sure they're not going to pay for the adoption expenses <laughs> for someone to travel and pick up a baby and adopt them. You know, it's interesting. So many of these woke big corporations, they pretend to have this social conscience, this idea that they're out to help people. They're not, and, and I'll tell you the real reason they're happy to go and pay for abortions for their employees is they want their employees with their butts in their seats at work, 60, 70, 80 mm. hours a week. They don't wanna pay for their kids' health care. They don't wanna pay for uh, kids' benefits or anything like that. So these corporations just look at people like they're cogs, and these cogs appear to be more efficient when there aren't families surrounding them. It, it's a really kind of gross, uh, utilitarian way of looking at people. I mean, that's a classic, uh, play of, of Marxism is yes. to treat people like things, like property, like uh, you said, cogs in a wheel, but uh, they're not employees valued by the company. They are simply workers that as long as they're doing their work, they have some value. But if they're in any way, maybe not uh, up to the speed because of illness or whatever it may be, out they go and nobody cares. Yeah, they're treated as inputs, not as people, not as unique uh, creatures made in God's image with souls in infinite mm. value. They're just people to be used and tossed aside, which is how the abortion movement has treated babies and children forever. It, it's a sick uh, disease of the soul that causes that. Sean, I was disturbed. The president of the United States came out almost immediately and made a speech. And he was very uh, disrespectful of the court, of the other branch of government. And I thought that that was not a good look for a sitting president to be so, um, I mean, it's one thing for you to write an editorial or me to make a commentary, but if you hold the office of president, should you be saying basically that the Supreme Court is a bunch of extremists and they, they totally are wrong in doing horrible things to the country? No, and it's especially fascinating seeing this type of behavior from a party that spent the last year and a half talking about insurrection and treason and sedition and how dare you question the legitimacy of an election or a person in office. What was the first thing the DOJ did today? They said, yeah. Oh, yeah, we don't agree with that decision. We're gonna do everything we can to kind of get around it. You have the president of the United States casting away the legitimacy of the Supreme Court. And where's the mainstream media and all that? Where, where's the outrage from that? There's nothing, there's nothing. 
And, and they are going to continue on that same vent. You had Maxine Waters, who was basically saying, go to the streets, we're going to fight. A, a conservative saying something like that, would we be accused of inciting violence? And there has been violence at a lot of crisis pregnancy centers, Catholic churches across the country. Uh, some really nasty stuff happening out there. I, I'm not hearing a universal um, just outcry about it. No, and, and recall what happened to Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh. Yeah. Uh, after the left incited all of these mobs to illegally protest outside his home, somebody got in his head that he was going to go and try to assassinate a Supreme Court justice to prevent the very decision that came out this week. And what did the Attorney General of the United States do, appointed by Joe Biden, who nearly became a Supreme Court justice, oh. he came out and said, we support the right of people to protest in front of Kavanaugh's home or Amy Coney Barrett's home. They're, they don't care at all. Out of one side of their mouth, they'll say, oh, how dare you question anything? And out of the other side, they will endorse all the violence by their street thugs, like what we saw during the summer rage with all the BLM riots. Yeah. There's no consistency. None at all, and I think it's troubling. One thing I'm convinced, a lot of people didn't really read Sam Alito's brilliantly written opinion. And, and honestly, this decision was not so much about abortion. It was about whether or not we follow the Constitution. And the essence was nothing in the Constitution about abortion. Therefore, according to the 10th Amendment, this decision doesn't belong at the federal level. It belongs at the state level. That really was the essence of the decision. It absolutely was, um, because it's important. If you even read liberal scholars and left-wing scholars, the more honest ones will tell you that the Roe v. Wade logic, that the reasoning used in that decision was garbage. It was made up out of thin air. It had no basis in the law or constitution or facts. And like you said, the decision today was writing that wrong. The issue may have appeared to be abortion, but the foundational problem with it is it was completely unmoored from the Constitution, completely unmoored from our history and from how we have the rule of law in this country. And it had to go. And it should have gone 50 years ago. Uh, but thank goodness it's gone now. And, you know, the net result, there are going to be hundreds of thousands of babies who will actually grow up and live and be citizens of America that would have had their lives ended in the womb. And I thank God for that. Thank God for that. And Sean, thank you. It is always great having you here. Our audience is going to want to check out more from Sean and The Federalist, which is really a first-class website. You should visit it often. Now, if you want to know how, get linked up over at Huckabee.tv. We will make sure you know how to uh, find out about The Federalist. Right now, let's head over to Keith Bilbrey. He's going to do a little look-see about what's coming up on the rest of the show tonight. Well, up next, author and filmmaker Matt Walsh. Later, the music of Christian pop superstar Rebecca St. James. Tonight on Huckabee. In the midst of desperation and despair, Samaritan's Purse is there with a helping hand and the good news of Jesus Christ. You can partner with them today to continue this great kingdom work. Just go to the Samaritan's Purse website or call them today. Thank you and God bless you for helping. Matt Walsh has been described as controversial, but his views are pretty reasonable to those of us who actually believe in biological reality. You know, stuff like that. Men are men and women are women. Well, his last book on so-called gender identity, Johnny the Walrus, shot to the very top of the bestseller list earlier this year in record time. 
and he's got a brand new book, and it's poised to do the same very thing. He's also produced a documentary that's one of the most talked about films in all of America right now for a good reason. It's about a very simple question. Why is that uncomfortable? Because that, it sounds actually deeply transphobic to me. Um, and, if truth? You, and, and if you keep probing, we're gonna stop the interview. I, if I probe I, about what the truth is? You keep invoking the word truth, which is condescending and rude. I'm saying how to is, you- How is the word truth condescending and rude? Why don't you tell me what your truth is and you're walking on 30 seconds more of the nights before I get up. Ah, we will see if Matt found an answer to his simple question. What is a woman, would you please? Welcome back to the show, Matt Walsh. Well, you know, Matt, you just stir it up. And I, I want to say something to our audience. We are not only glad to have you back, but I've got to say that before we begin tonight, we need to tell our audience the next few minutes with Matt is not necessarily going to be a child-friendly segment. And the reason is, is because this topic is so important, but it's also rather controversial. And the film that Matt hosts, not for the faint of heart, are for those who are easily offended by blunt, raw language. Moms and dads may want to move children to another room for just a few moments to protect their young ears while we discuss something that has to be discussed. And Matt, I cannot tell you how uh, in, in completely uh, just absorbed I was in the documentary. I watched the whole thing and I thought this is an incredible, really service to the people of America to expose what's going on in this uh, confusion about gender. Yeah, I appreciate that. And that's, that's one of the things we wanted to accomplish with the documentary was to show that this uh, gender lunacy, this confusion, um, it is not uh, something that's just out on the fringes. Like, I think for, for a long time, normal, decent people, conservatives, even Christians, you know, we, we wanted to tell ourselves that this is something that's just, it's kind of out there. It's just on the fringes. It's not a, it's a fad. It'll just pass over and we can ignore it. Uh, but no, it's, this is everywhere. It is absolutely everywhere. That's one thing we wanted to achieve with the documentary is to actually go on the road across America. We, we even went to the other side of the world to show just how widespread this is and that it is absolutely everywhere. When you went to Africa, for example, uh, and you kind of discussed the whole idea of, of a person could just identify as a person of the other gender and that'd be fine, they laughed at you. I mean, they thought that was the craziest thing they'd ever heard. So is this just an American uh, phobia, issue, concern? I think it's, it's uniquely modern and Western. So it's a, it is a luxury belief system in the West. And one of the reasons we went to Africa is to get outside of that bubble. Yeah. Um, and also because we knew that, you know, if we had, if we went to a, 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 a traditional tribe in Africa and they laughed about this stuff, then the left is really in a bind because they can't call them transphobes because that would be racist. So we decided to, you know, <laughs> just kind of playing their game against them a little bit. But also, we, we, we wanted to show that this idea that, that we all take for granted now, because it's everywhere, uh, that men can be women, women can be men, all this kind of stuff, that you get outside of this, of this modern Western bubble, and it just doesn't exist. It's not just that they, that they disagree with it. It's that they don't even have the language to understand it. It's a concept they've never even encountered before. It's so outside of their experience. And uh, that would be the case also if you went back in time 
in this country like 15 seconds almost and you'd find the same thing. <laughs> you know, one of the things that I felt was so powerful in the film, you didn't argue with the people that you interviewed. You let them talk. This is what they say. This is what they believe. They're saying, you're asking them questions and you're letting them answer without arguing. I mean, without arguing. Uh, that was powerful. Yeah, and that was, uh, that's a lot of credit to the team behind the documentary, uh, Justin Folks, our great director, and uh, the producers behind it, because I, we went into this with this idea that we would just talk to them and ask them questions and let them uh, sort of, uh, you know, hoist it on their own petard sort of thing. But then as we started talking to them, I really badly wanted to start arguing and yelling at them. And um, <laughs> I kept arguing with our director, like, no, we got to change this, the whole concept here, because I need to yell at these people. And, uh, and they, had to, they had to keep pulling me back and say, no, that's, that's, that's not as powerful as actually just letting them speak. Uh, because it's one thing to go and get into a shouting match, right? Yeah. But if you give someone the floor and say, okay, go ahead. You know, this is your idea. Gender ideology yeah. is your idea. Explain it to me. Yeah. And when they can't do it, then I think that shows everything you need to know. Well, if, normally, Matt, you're right about everything. I mean, you're one of the oh, smartest guys I, I know. know. But on this case... Your team was right. You were wrong. They did exactly what needed to be because it made the whole thing more powerful in that it wasn't this uh, like a cable news talk show, people yelling over each other. It was letting them talk. And the more they talked, the more I scratched my head and said, these people are crazy. These people are crazy. They are, or, or at least they're pretending to be for the sake of their, of their agenda, right? And that's, you know, it, it occurred to me years ago, in fact, that gender ideology cannot withstand scrutiny. Yeah. Um, and that's where the title of the book and the documentary comes from, is you know, even asking them to define what a woman is, they can't define it. Because, and that's a problem, because if a man says, I identify as a woman, even if I wanted to take that seriously, well, first you have to tell me what you mean by that. Yeah. What you, uh, you're identifying as what exactly? What is that? And they can't answer that. And so that's, that was, of course, is why, one of the ideas behind the documentary is to get out there and ask this question, put it in front of them, but what we discovered is that actually, not only can these people not answer what is a woman, they can't answer any other question at all. They can't answer anything about this ideology whatsoever. And that did surprise me a little bit. It, talking to like a college professor, for yeah. example, I thought that we would have a, a good back and forth for, for a while uh -huh. before we got to the difficult questions, like what is a woman, which is a really hard one, apparently. Um, <laughs> but what, what I found is that the minute I asked even one basic skeptical question, everything fell apart. They got very defensive yeah. and evasive uh, because they're not prepared to defend this ideology at all. I, I think the title of the book, What is a Woman?, which is the title of the documentary, the, the power of that is that it's so doggone simple. And most people say, you mean people don't know? And that is really what I think you will find just amazing. Now, the book and the documentary are called What is a Woman? We're not done talking with Matt. We're going to bring him right back in a moment. So stay put with more with Matt Walsh. Still to come, news with a twist on In Case You Missed It. Then dude dad Taylor Calvert will teach us how to be super dads. All ahead on Huckabee.
welcome back. We have been talking with Matt Walsh. He's the number one best-selling author in the LGBTQIAP, whatever, however many letters there are on that category on Amazon, as well as the maker of the groundbreaking new documentary, What is a Woman? There's also this book by the same title. I predict you need to get it now before Amazon and other booksellers refuse to sell it. And that's a distinct possibility, which would be insane, but there's a lot of insane things going on. Now, here's a reminder to our audience. Matt's topic tonight is not for young ears. I wanna keep him occupied elsewhere for a couple of minutes as we chat about this important topic. Matt, thanks for sticking around, but I gotta tell you, before we get to the next question, we were inspired seeing your film. We thought we'd ask some people this pressing and apparently very difficult question ourselves. What is a woman? So we sent one of our producers uh, to ask the Huckabee audience, what is a woman? So quick questions. What is a woman? Ooh, uh, I'm not a biologist. Somebody that's biologically born with woman parts. A woman has certain chromosomes. XX chromosomes. It's an adult female. Born a female. That's us. She can have babies. I don't think it's quite possible for a man to have a baby. And I, I, I know a woman when I see one. <laughs> you know, Matt, apparently some people don't seem to be able to come with a simple, but our audience generally, they kind of got that. You know, some of uh, this- It would have been a very short documentary if I'd come here <laughs> to film, apparently. <laughs> Five minutes and we're done. We, we sometimes even laugh about some of this stuff because it's so absurd that men are supposed to be able to get pregnant, uh, you know, that, that we can't say they can't be pregnant. But there's some serious medical issues that are behind all of this. And I think your documentary did such a splendid job in exposing that there's some danger, especially for kids who are being talked into life-changing, irreparable surgical procedures. What's happening out there? Yeah, and that's the important thing to note is that, and we wanted this to come through the documentary, is that you've got the first part of it that's, that's funny because it's absurd, and absurdity is funny. But then when you get below that layer, you get to some really dark and sinister stuff, in particular, as you know, what they're doing to kids. And this is, um, uh, we get into, we just kind of scratch the surface of that in the documentary, but this is all across the country. They are um, drugging and mutilating children. You know, in some states... Uh, girls as young as 13 are getting double mastectomies. These are physically healthy girls who are having their breasts chopped off because they say that they want to be boys. And of course, you know, what, what makes this so deranged and disgusting and evil that they're doing this to kids is that if that same 13 or 14 or 15 year old girl said, uh, I want to get a tattoo or I want to buy a gun or I want to go to a rated R movie, I, mean, I want to buy alcohol, any of that stuff. We would all, the government would say, everybody would say, well, you can't do that. You're too young to make that decision. And yet a child says that supposedly they want to alter their bodies forever. And um, we've got these gender, so-called gender-affirming doctors who are right there to, to, uh, to do that. And, and there's a lot behind it. One thing we get into in the film is that there's a real profit motive here. You know, there's, there is billions mm. of dollars at, at stake. Um, and that's part of the story. From the, from the med medical community and the drug companies, where's, where does the drug, money to be made? Big pharma, uh, the, the surgeons, therapists, counselors, you know, the doctors who give the hormone pills, the so-called puberty blockers, which they say are temporary and reversible, but they are neither of those things. Uh, these are drugs where, these are drugs, by the way, uh, in particular, Lupron, we talk about in the film. 
is a drug that is a chemical castration drug. They give it to sex offenders to chemically castrate them. Mm -hmm. And we give that now to children, to 12 and 13 year old 12 children. and 13. Right. Um, so it's neither temporary nor reversible. A lot of money though, and here's the thing. So you got a six year old child, six year old boy who is confused about his gender. Either you could say to the boy, well, you're really a boy and that's what you are and that's a wonderful thing. And that'll be, that'll be it. And that's, and that's what you should say, but there's no money in that. So if on the other hand, you, you bring him to a therapist and the therapist says, oh, well then you're really a girl. Let's, now that child to the therapists and counselors and doctors and surgeons is worth millions of dollars um, for, through the rest of his, of his life. And I think that is a big part of the story. That's a crime. It's a crime to do this to little kids that we understand don't have the maturity level to make these decisions. And I think one of the most disturbing thing was the suicide rate among people who go through this process and it's supposed to make them happy and feel fulfilled. What's the real story behind that? Well, the real story, as we were told by Scott Nugent, is who I think is the real hero in the film and is a, a woman who transitioned to appear like a man, but is, of course, still a woman and regrets it now and is now telling the truth about this, all this stuff. And, and she tells us in the film that um, suicidality is highest for transgender identifying people 10 years after they get the surgery. Mm -hmm. After, 10 years later, it's the highest. Um, so what this tells us is that, you know, people who are confused about their gender, there is something wrong going on within them, inside their mind, something very deep is, is, has, has gone wrong. And what we have to do is try to, is try to work with them on a the mental level, give them counseling so that they can come to accept who they actually are. Because when you, you know, when you are rejecting who you really are, there's despair, a lot of despair that comes with that. And, um, but instead what our society says now is, well, okay, we're gonna affirm the delusion and then try to conform your body to fit your deluded sense of yourself. It's just completely backwards. And so many teenagers are struggling with their identity anyway. I mean, this, this has been happening forever. It's part of puberty, part of growing up. And, and to cater to these children and then to mutilate them, which is, there's no other way to describe it. These kids are being surgically and chemically mutilated. I, I just can't imagine that people think this is a great idea. I think uh, lots of people don't realize that it's happening. And that's another thing we wanted to come out in the documentary. And I hear from people every day who, who tell me that I had no idea this was actually happening. Yeah. And uh, it is. I mean, there are things that, you know, I thought I was pretty plugged into this issue and I knew a lot about it, but I didn't know that girls even as young as 15 were getting double mastectomies. I had no idea that, that was happening, that, that was legal. It is happening. It's happening to thousands of girls all across this country every year. Uh, so I think that's part of it. People just don't know that it's happening. And it, but if they're made aware, then any decent person will be absolutely opposed to it. Matt, thank you very much for being with us. We have been enlightened for sure. You need to see this film. It is available exclusively at The Daily Wire. We have a direct link to it at Huckabee.tv because I want you to link to The Daily Wire and with Matt. Both you can do from the website. This is the book. The film is also available at The Daily Wire. Right now, somebody who's really wired in is Keith Bilbrey. He is gonna link you to the rest of the show, tell you what's coming up next. Well, get ready to laugh with hilarious news stories on it, in case you missed it. The music of Rebecca St. James is still ahead on Huckabee. and sign up for the free newsletter and follow at 
Gov Mike Huckabee on Twitter. And we come back with some amazing music. Did you catch the tune from The Who? Yes. Who are you? This is a tune. That's a good question for people to know these days. Played absolutely masterfully by Trey Corley and the Music City Connection. Give them a big hand. Best band and master. Right there. From mastermind crooks to slovenly slots, we've got everything that seldom works on In Case You Missed It. While some people just wasted their time during the pandemic lockdowns, Rene Vignola of Pueblo City, Mexico, used it to develop his very unique talent, drawing celebrity portraits with his feet. Yes, with his feet. Well, of course. Boy, talk about toe in the line. That's one way to do it, huh? Here is his drawing of Billie Eilish. There you go. That's what that looks like with his toes. And here's Will Smith. I guess he just slapped that all over the canvas there. <laughs> Dog paddled. That was terrible. I'd like to see him try maybe a historical figure like John Bunyan. <laughs> oh. Anyway, Renee now has millions of fans who are keeping in step with him online because they think his art has soul. <laughs> you missed your cup. You should have been a podiatrist. I should have been, yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to be arch. You know, it's not, <laughs> it's not easy drawing celebrities with your feet. I, I don't know if you know this, but if Keith took off his shoes and socks, the only thing his feet could draw is flies. That's just... I'm good at that. Yep. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> All right, next we head to Florida for a couple of Huck's criminal mastermind stories. First, police in Polk County, Florida released video of two burglars struggling and straining to steal a safe that was so heavy they could barely budge it. After working so hard, they wished they'd gotten honest jobs. They finally lifted it into their car. Police said if they ever managed to get the safe open, they'd love to see their faces when they discovered it was empty. Oh, no. I'll bet they felt like Geraldo Rivera when he opened Al Capone's <laughs> legendary secret safe in Chicago. I remember that. Oh, boy. And after they spent a safe full of cash just to gas up the getaway car, that made it worse. By the way, they're still at large, but police have staked out every hernia clinic in town. <laughs> they think they'll find them there. That's where they'll find them. Staggering over to Pinellas County, Florida, a police officer spotted the man who appeared somewhat intoxicated. Somewhat. He asked the cop for a ride home. Following procedure, <laughs> before... He would let the guy in the police car, the cop, ask if he was carrying anything illegal. Now, the guy could have just said no. But instead, he emptied his pockets and he showed the officer that he was carrying marijuana and three bags of cocaine. <laughs> he then thought better of it, and he tried to hide the drugs from the cop that he had just voluntarily shown them to. I think, Keith, he was more than somewhat intoxicated. Uh, a little bit, yes. Uh, alcohol I mean, it, and a lot of other things involved. I mean, this guy was so gassed, he thought he was in Oregon and all those drugs were still legal. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of vices, British supermarket worker Andy Curry, this is a crazy story. He got so hooked on Pepsi that he drank 30 cans a day of Pepsi for 20 years. How do you do that? That's over two and a half gallons a day of Pepsi. 
That's 17,000 pounds of sugar over the 20-year period. How does your bladder keep up? Is what I, <laughs> I can't even conceive of that. I mean, he estimates that he spent $8,500 a year on Pepsi. They love him. You know, they got to love this guy. I bet he also spent eight hours a day in the men's room. I guarantee you. <laughs> yep. Pepsi's slogan used to be, come alive. This guy's lucky he's still alive, I'll tell you. <laughs> anyway, doctors warned him that he was obese and in danger of diabetes. Who would have ever thought that? So he went to a hypnotherapist who cured him of his Pepsi addiction in one session, which wow. is impressive. Now he prefers water. But I wonder if he drinks two and a half gallons of water yeah, every day. Yeah, I couldn't day. take that I much. Don't know. Well, finally, this week's cute animal video comes from SlothSanctuary.com. Yeah, there is such a place. This is baby sloths eating lunch. Oh. You know what? It kind of looks like lunchtime around here. It really does. But I got to admit, when I okayed this video, I had not seen it yet. I was told we had video of sloths feeding at the trough while accomplishing absolutely nothing. I just assumed it was a video of Congress. That's what yeah, I thought it was. Yeah, there you go. Anyway, well, before you rouse yourselves to throw vegetables <laughs> at your TV, we're going to put this bit to bed. But until next time, always remember, we read the news. Well, put on your safety goggles because dude dad, Taylor Kalmus is about to try to teach Mike, Trey, and me how to build some do-it-yourself projects for your kids. Next on Huckabee. Go to shop.huckabee.tv and get your very own mail. In the USA Huckabee mugs, t-shirts, and more. And welcome back. Now, you might know my next guest as Dude Dad from his hilarious internet videos, maybe as the host of the Magnolia Network's Super Dad. His latest book is called, I love this, A Dude's Guide to Baby Size, and it's just released. Now, here to talk about the book and to share some very cool do-it-yourself projects for you and the kids in your life, would we please welcome Taylor Kalmus. Taylor, good having you here. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Gov. You know, I, I think this is a cool book because you basically describe what's happening from the time of conception through the weeks of pregnancy. Mm -hmm. But this is written not for the mom. This no. is written for the dad. Yes, there's lots of stuff out there for mom. Um, and they all, everything compares your unborn child to fruits and vegetables, right? <laughs> yeah, they do. You know, and which I take issue with yeah. because first off, my baby's not some weenie little vegetable. Second off, like, how big is a stock of broccoli? Yeah, And like, right. what the heck is a kumquat, <laughs> right? So my book breaks it down for the men using things that men would know, like a 10 millimeter socket, a baseball, a three pound brisket. I, I saw one in here, a guitar pick. A guitar pick, yes. A guitar exactly. pick, it said the circumference of a, a guitar pick. At a I believe that's week eight. Week eight, so that's mm -hmm. the size of the baby. So when the little bugger gets here, yes. you've got to figure out some things to keep them entertained. And that's part of what you do on your videos. Yes. Let's talk about a project and see if we can even involve Trey and Keith. Yes, yeah, so I brought along a few of my projects. We're going to do a marble track here. Okay. 
Okay, and then Keith has our giant bubble maker. Mm, bubble and then, maker. Uh, yeah, <laughs> he's got a drill. So oh, no. Good to go over there. That's um, and then this is the car ride simulator. The car ride yeah, simulator. Yeah, I invented that when my uh, two-year-old would only take a nap if I drove her around. And I was like, what if I just made something that seemed like That's the coolest car? thing I've ever heard. Yeah, yeah so we'll get so into that. Cool, okay. But let's start here with All the right. easy one, the marble track. So, All right. You got the hot, so this one's the easy one. Anybody can do this. That's the one hot, I need. Hot glue gun, cardboard, popsicle sticks, ah, okay? Yeah. So first off, you just start gluing these popsicle sticks onto the cardboard. Okay. I'm just gonna kind of do it like this. Just set them on there. The oh. more sticks you put in there, the slower it's gonna go. Mm -hmm. So that, you know, it kind of ping pongs around as it goes down, ah. right? All right, so then you uh, put cups down at the bottom, mm -hmm. all right? So you can make this like a game where it's like there's each cup is worth a certain amount of points. Yep. Or you can make it like a chore thing, right? Uh -huh. So like you can assign chores to each cup, so it kind of makes it into a fun thing of like, all right, let's get to see what chore you get to do, and they get to drop the marble down, and then find out. Uh, wow, so like a see pinball there. machine see, look, and, uh, without the quarter. You've got to take out the trash. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, Trey, let's go. I <laughs> <laughs> see what he did there. Lord, man, I'm actually working How's it coming? over here. He's That's over there good. really putting something. Yeah, here together. you go. So yeah, okay. I don't need drop a few of those down. <laughs> All right. Go nuts, though. Yeah, here's some more. Well, oh, they're going out in the audience. Few for the audience. Yeah. There we go. There we go. Super fun though, and like cool. Trey's over here with a power tool. We better go check on him. Okay, what is man, he up man. to? All right, so right now Trey's building the frame for the help. car ride simulator. I need some help over here. Oh, I need some help over there. Oh, God. all right, we'll he's we'll get a, to him first. He's older. Do we want to go? <laughs> all right, so let's okay. go see what's. Oh. All right. What? You're all wrapped up here. Okay, you all don't right. put it Take around that off. I, I, you do not. Yeah, we don't need to do that. Oh, I, it doesn't go around me. So first off. So this is our, our giant bubble wall. Oh. So, so in the bottom here, in this rain gutter, we're gonna fill that full of bubble solution. Okay. And then you've got cotton ropes on the side here. Uh-huh. And those cotton ropes are going to uh, form the sides of our bubble. But you need a good cotton rope because it will, uh, the bubble solution will soak into it. Uh-huh. And, and sort of allow the, the solution to attach to it. Trey, are you still working over there? Uh, I, uh, Stand there's, back. There's, there's no flux capacitor. So, oh, there should be. <laughs> when this goes up to 88 miles Could you not hour, find He one? wants to be Marty McFly over there. Just and, say right. Whoa. Whoa. And take a little while to get her warmed up here. Whoa. 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 Look at that. There you go. There's a bubble bath for you. All right. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's fun, right? right? All right, let's Ooh. go check on Trey. All right. That's you keep working on those. Okay, I'm yeah, you, working you on keep, it. Uh, the more you do the it, the better it's going to get. Okay. Let's oh, wow. This. All right, he's a long ways into this it now. This guy is really. <laughs> okay, yeah. you got it all set up. I think so, man. Okay, so now the idea behind this is that it uh, mimics what a, a baby feels when, on a car ride, gotcha. right? Mm -hmm. So you've got your car seat here, so they're strapping in the car seat, right? Right. Now you've got the motor. You got, is that working? You want oh, to yeah, give that yeah, a go? Yeah. You got a motor down there? Oh, oh it's yeah. the drill. See? It's just a little drill, and it just gives, it oh, just that's creates cool. the slightest bit of bumps, you know, on the road. That's truly yeah, you go, go off-road with it, yeah. An electric car. But do I'm they get car there. sick? That's pretty slick. <laughs> That's yeah, pretty slick. Pretty slick. All right, Taylor. 
We want you all to head over to Huckabee.tv. You can learn more about Taylor Kalmus and find his new book, A Dude's Guide to Baby Size, as well as instructions on how to make these three projects and, of course, a lot more. After the break, Christian pop superstar Rebecca St. James will be joining us. Don't you miss it. We'll be right back. For Mike's guest, Peter Navarro, and the hilarious Shonda Pierce. Well, welcome back, everybody. Now, tonight's musical guest is one of the most defining artists in contemporary Christian music. As a singer-songwriter, she has scored nine number one hits and won multiple awards, including a Grammy. She's also an actress, speaker, best-selling author. She does it all. She's got a brand new album out. It's called Kingdom Come. I'm thrilled to welcome to the show, Rebecca St. James. You have had an incredible career all over the place, music, Aww. acting, speaking. But this is the first big, full-length music project you've done in, in a while. Years? Yeah. Yes, quite a while. So Had a few the, kids in that time, too. Well, yeah. that'll kind of keep yeah, you busy. It sure will. What was the inspiration for Kingdom Come? Uh, well, I love worship music. Worship mm -hmm. is really where I began in music in Australia, and... So in coming back to music, God radically called me back to music about five years ago. I was kind of quietly retired after 20 years doing music and acting and all the things in the first round. And when I thought about what do I feel most passionate about making in this time in my life, it's worship because it directs our eyes to Jesus. It gives hope, hmm. um, sets our eyes on things above, not things here. And I think we all need that right now. I love the, that your music is beautifully in the melody of it. But more importantly, there is lyrical content yeah, that is you. deep and biblical. And it's so refreshing to see contemporary Christian music that has depth. And you have achieved that with Kingdom Come. Thank you. Well, the title track is actually with my brothers, who you had on the show last week, right? And you, you got them to sing on your album. Yes. A little band called King and Country. Yeah, just a little band. And they're you your know. brothers, so just yeah. A little band. What did, <laughs> what did you threaten them with, huh? <laughs> Yeah, big sister used to be pretty bossy, but they've forgiven me now. <laughs> but, you know, it was a real honor that they took the time in, this, in the height of their career right now to write with big sister and sing on that track, Kingdom Come. So very special. You're very special, and you have been for a long time. You know, there's been so much of your career. You have touched thousands and thousands of people in personal performances and in recordings. The awards that you've won richly deserved. But I got to tell you something. We want you to do some music with us tonight. Aww. So, Keith, while we get ready, why don't you tell the viewers how they can get this great new album called Kingdom Come and keep up with Rebecca's projects. After the show, head to Huckabee.tv for links to Rebecca's music and more and to see a digital exclusive performance of Praise. 
Now, performing the title track of Kingdom Come with Trey Corley and the Music City Connection and Mike on bass, here's Rebecca St. James. Right here. 